I wonder if before I venture into announcements, you might just do something with me. A little breathing exercise. Uh, so we're gonna inhale for five seconds, we're gonna hold it for five seconds, and we're gonna exhale for five seconds. Sound okay? So let's inhale for five seconds. One, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four, five. If you're anything like me, sometimes you forget to breathe. Uh, but something that I think we can always remember and we just sang in that song is that our God is faithful. And even when we're struggling to catch our breath, uh, when we're busy and running or just forget to pause, uh, God's promises are still faithful. So my name's Christopher. I'm our youth director, and I also help with some of our tech. I've got some announcements this morning before I hand it over to Paul to kick us into our next series. Firstly, thanks for being here. Whether you're here in person or if you're joining us online, uh, we're just thrilled. It's good to gather. It's good to be together, uh, united as God's people. So we're just so thrilled that you're here and that you've taken the time to be part of this service this morning. We're really happy to be meeting again, uh, not only here on Sundays, but actually for our Tuesday services as well, which is something new that we've been offering this fall. There's still plenty of space for both of those services. So if you're interested in being a part, feel free to register on our website. That's newlifecollingwood.com. Uh, or you can give us a call at the church office if you're not too big into internet stuff, and we'd love to uh, register you that way, walk you through everything that's needed. There's also a, wink, a link in our weekend email uh, to do that as well. Kids, in that same weekend email, there's stuff for parents, resources for you to help with uh, your kids. We know not everybody can be here in person to participate in some of the programming we have going on on Sundays. So we've included resources in there, whether that's this week, or sorry, tonight, today, uh, sometime this week. Watch those videos, uh, follow the links to the activities. Uh, it's all there for you just to support you in this time. Um, for youth, our senior high has already been meeting. We're trying a new thing this fall where we're meeting alternating Thursday, Friday. So this week, we're Thursday, we'll be here in the building. So I look forward to that. And to junior high, I'm excited to say, your Sunday morning programming will start on November 1st. So Sunday, November 1st, we'll have a separate socially distanced, safe class for all of our junior high uh, students as well. So if that's something that uh, you're interested in being a part of, we'd love to have you here. So I look forward to that. Um, also, at the end of this month, October 31st, what is October 31st? Everybody, let's hear it. What is it? Halloween! So in honor of a lovely community holiday and in the spirit of the season, we have got a candy pult. So you can infer what that means. Uh, but on October 31st, 5.30 to 7.30, we'll be having a candy giveaway for anyone who wishes. This event is aimed at junior high and children, but I mean, if you're a senior and you've got a hankering for some sweets, feel free to come out and we'll launch some candy at your face. Um, or, I don't know, near you, I guess, liability and so on. But it'll be a lot of fun. We're actually asking if you're wanting to participate in Halloween, but perhaps you haven't wanted to have people come to your own house, your lights are gonna be off that day, and maybe you feel guilty about that. Well, this might be your out. Uh, if you wanna give candy, we would love to take that off your hands. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a youth dude who likes to eat way too much sugar. Uh, we would love volunteers to just donate uh, individually wrapped, like sealed stuff like chocolate bars, um, 
you know, that kind of thing. Nothing that's open because, you know, we have to make sure it's prepared in a sanitary way. Uh, but if you'd like to donate that, you can bring that to the church and there's a bin just actually outside. So if you wanted to uh, drop it off in there, we'd love to take it off your hands. So watch for more information on that on social media over the coming weeks. Uh, parking lot. We're looking for a few people throughout the winter months to help us with parking lot. We're going to have to pull the ropes and things in so that the plows can do their business. So we're going to need a few hands to help us just set up uh, the ropes and the, the stands and so on. If that's something that you'd like to be a part of, we would love to have you. Uh, so please let us know. You can go to, uh, well, you can email us at connect at newlifecollingwood.com uh, or you can go to our website and hit the volunteer sign-up graphic for that. Lastly, uh, before we hand it over to Paul, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you for your faithful uh, giving. We can't do what we do here uh, without your investment, like without your, your volunteer energy, without your time, but also financially. Uh, so thank you for that. It's been a difficult year. So for all of you who have been giving, thanks so much. It lets us do what we do with kids and youth and worship and so on. So thank you. And if you're looking to donate today, uh, uh, here in person, there's a donation box just at the back of the auditorium as you leave. You can feel free to put it in there. Uh, as well, uh, if you wanted to give online, there's a few options. You can go to our website and hit donate, uh, or you can use the Church Center app. You can also text, which I don't know if I've ever done, um, but I'm, I'm told it's quite easy. So all the info you need is newlifecollingwood.com give, and it's all there. Well, thanks again for being here. That's it for me. I'm going to hand it over to Paul, who's going to kick us into our next series, From the Margins. So, Paul, why don't you take it away? <laughs> Christopher, the texting um, to give works best if you put two zeros after the number, so try it later this morning, and um, <clears throat> you'll find that it's significantly easy. Good morning. Let's take that off. <clears throat> there are perks sometimes to being, being the guy who comes up on the stage, and that's I get to take my mask off for a little bit anyway. <clears throat> that um, exercise that Christopher had us do with breathing in and, and exhaling uh, is a wonderful way to even just practice prayer if that's something that you are not familiar with. And, and I would encourage you, uh, as you go through the craziness of your day, and I, I don't know, like you, like this past Tuesday, having Monday as a day off is great, but if you like run your own business or you're responsible for things, when you come back on Tuesday, it feels like double Monday, doesn't it? And, and I don't know if that's the, true for you, but it is for me. And so that first day back and that week can be really chaotic. And sometimes just breathing in, and as you breathe in, you just say, God, I invite you into my life. And as you exhale, and I just release my worries to you. I release my cares to you. And, and just something as simple as that is a way of praying and communing with God. And you're just breathing in. I invite you into my life, Spirit. And you exhale. And I release my cares and my worries. And, and that in, a, in and of itself is a way that, uh, that helps us um, just walk through our day and, and be in communion with God. So, last week uh, we had a guest speaker, John Hand, and it was great to have him uh, sharing with us uh, in his sermon about forgiveness. 
uh, at a time of thanksgiving, and I appreciate what John had to say. This week we're starting a new series called From the Margins, and I want to begin by asking you this question. Have you ever read somebody else's mail? Have you? You know, like you get mail to your house and it obviously belongs to somebody else and it looks pretty official. And there's maybe that little piece of you that's tempted to open it up and see what's inside. Or you came across somebody's letter and it was written and maybe it's an old letter and you read it and you kind of had this bit of a feeling like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be reading this. You know, I'm making some people worried because we actually bought our home from people in the church and we still get their mail periodically and, and I can just assure them that we've never done that. I've probably kept a couple magazines of Rob's on snowmobiles but, um, but we haven't read their mail. But sometimes in today's day and age, like some of you are actually thinking if you're younger, uh, what's a letter? And it's like an email except it was done on paper and in today's emails you get this at the end of an email. The information contained says this isn't for you don't read it send it back and uh, there's something about this when you take into the consideration that you got mail that belongs to somebody else whether it's an email or a paper letter and and you're not supposed to have it it wasn't meant for you it was meant for another person and we shouldn't read other people's mail In fact, it's illegal to read somebody else's mail. But today, I want to encourage you to read other people's mail. But a specific kind of letter. A letter that we have in our New Testament. And for a lot of people who may or may not be familiar with the Bible much of the New Testament, the back half of the Bible, which is a lot about Jesus, a lot of it was written in letter form. It was letters that one person wrote or a few people wrote to another group of people in a different place at a different time. And I want to encourage us over the next number of weeks to read somebody else's mail, somebody else's letters. Because there's so much for us to learn in those letters. And so, as we talk about our voices from the margins, we're going to look at letters to people who were living in the margins. The earliest Christians, the people who followed Jesus after he was gone, were people who were living in the margins of society. They were, they were um, trying to figure out who they were, what they were about. They were trying to find their voice in their world. And much of the letters that we have, many of the letters that we have in the New Testament, were written to help them find their voice. And so I want to encourage you and you and you to read these letters. Many of them are short. They're like letters that we might write today. You can read them in 10 minutes, in 15 minutes. Some are longer. They might take 20 minutes or a half hour to read these letters. But as we look in on these, we are going to find that they can be a huge encouragement for us. So over the next four or five weeks, we're going to walk through these letters. And they're part of a larger series. If you're newer with us, for the last two years, periodically, we're coming back to the same series called One One Word, One Story. And it's about how all of Scripture leads us to Jesus. 
And one of the most beautiful things that scripture does, that Jesus said himself, is that these are the scriptures that are about me. So when we read our Bibles, the main point of reading our Bible is that it's meant to direct us to Jesus. And as we come to Jesus, we come to the authority in our life who is going to guide us and direct us and lead us into who we're meant to be and what we're supposed to be doing. And these letters are specifically written to a people who were, who were the earliest followers of Jesus trying to figure out what it meant to be the church. And one of the most prolific letter writers that we have records of is this guy named the Apostle Paul. Now his name wasn't the Apostle Paul. His name was Paul, also Saul. So he had two names. He had a Jewish name and a Greek name or Roman name, Saul and Paul. An apostle is somebody who's a leader in the church. Paul was just this guy. Have you ever been somewhere and someone walks into a room and you know instantly that that person's in charge? They don't wear a sign that says boss or I'm the person in charge. Just when they walk into the room, there's a persona about them. And that's the idea of an apostle. They, they were leaders. And the apostles often were the ones who just, they commanded attention. Paul started churches. He traveled prolifically and he would go to somewhere and he would start a church. And then he would go to the next place and start another church. And he would leave them organized to care for themselves. And he would just travel around doing that. And he was somebody who wrote prolifically. But his whole idea was start a church, encourage the people, get them organized, and continue to encourage them. So in Acts 13, we meet this guy, the Apostle Paul. And in Acts 13, he's in a city called Antioch, which is in Syria today. One day as these men were worshiping, there were a bunch of Christians together. They were fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. And from Syria, they sent Paul and Barnabas into what is modern-day Turkey. And then eventually, Paul would get over into Europe in places like Rome and even want to be heading to Spain. But he was sent by the church to go and take the message of Jesus and start new communities. And after he did that, then he wanted to go and encourage them. So this next verse here says this, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll read about the journeys of Paul. And here's this interesting thing. When you're reading the New Testament letters, the letters of Paul, you can actually match them up with the book of Acts. And as you read through the book of Acts, starting at Acts 13, going through to the end, to about chapter 20, 21, which is when he's on his way to Rome, and most of the rest of the book of Acts is about Paul going to Rome, you can take the letters of Paul and you can, you can read them over top of where he was in the book of Acts as he was traveling. So that's just a little tidbit. If you're going to read these letters, read through the book of Acts and see how they correspond with where Paul was going. And it will actually help you understand the context of the letters that much more. So what are the letters that this guy wrote? See, in our, in our New Testament, we have 27 books. Uh, many of them are letters. And of all the letters that we have, 13 of them are attributed to this guy, the Apostle Paul. So here they are, and I've listed them for us chronologically. And, and you'll see over the next four or five weeks, there's a point to this. We're going to spend a couple weeks on Paul because he wrote so many of the letters that we have in our New Testament. But I want today to give you an overview to help you see how this fits in with our context today. And so track with me and you'll see how how we travel here. So Paul wrote 
letters to churches in Galatia, uh, Thessalonica, which is the Thessalonians, and the city of Corinth. And where the two is, he wrote two letters to Thessalonians, two to the Corinthians, one to Romans, to a person named Philemon, to the church in Colas, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Philippi, to a young man named Timothy who was a pastor of the, of the church in Ephesus, and to a young guy named Titus. So there's 13 letters there. And scholars will debate about whether Paul wrote all of them or some of them and what the dating are. Um, from about AD 49 in Galatians to about the middle of the 60s for Timothy and Titus. So early to mid-60s. So about 15 years. The Apostle Paul started writing these letters, and that's within less than 20 years of Jesus and his resurrection. So it's very close. From ancient uh, literary perspective, this is extremely close. This is almost instantaneous for the letters we have talking about Jesus and actually when Jesus lived. So historically, these are also more credible. Many of these are earlier than the Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you're thinking historically and chronologically, the earliest records we have of Jesus are what's said about him in these letters by Paul, even more so than the Gospels that we have. And so these are just as helpful in helping us understand what it means to know who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus. And what Paul is doing, he's continuing the story of God and his people. He's just laying out this story of how God worked from the very beginning, the stories of Adam and Eve through the history of Israel, now into the history of the church. And Paul is showing people how they are a part of that. Now when you think of the Apostle Paul, you think, okay, who, what did he write? He wrote a lot of letters, obviously, but what's in these letters that he wrote about? What does it mean for me and for you today? If I read the letter to the Corinthians, what is that going to do for me? And this is where I want to give you a few images here to help you see some common themes that are not only in Paul's letters, but in most of the letters in our New Testament. And when we think of the Apostle Paul, some people think instantly, well, Paul wrote about this word called justification. You know, where we are made right with God. We're justified before God through Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul wrote about. But I think that that is one theme within these larger themes of community and cross and new creation that we have uh, throughout the New Testament letters. These are themes that come up again and again and again as you read somebody else's mail. You're going to see these themes over and over. And community was so important to the earliest Christians. And as you read through these letters, you'll see again and again this emphasis on community on formation, on being together, on not being an individual all by yourself. That you, it's not just you and God and the two of you go on your merry way. It is about you belonging to a group of people who are aligning themselves with Jesus. And there's something very powerful in this concept of community and you're going to see how it ties in with new creation. But then there's this theme of cross which runs throughout these letters. As you read through them, you will read about the cross of Christ again and again and again. And, and put this in the, in the middle because everything kind of hinges on this idea of what Christ has done through his life, through his teachings, through his death on the cross, and through his resurrection. And then there's this theme of new community. 
or new creation. That God is taking old things and making them new. That the community is a new community. It's a new creation. The church is something new. That God takes people who were broken and beat up and confused and disillusioned and he makes them new. So sometimes I've said, you know, well, as we go through life and we learn to follow Jesus, some of the roughness of us gets worn off. And, and while that's true, there's this element that, that God's not just wanting to rub off your rough edges. God wants to make you entirely new. Day by day. From the inside out. And there's this beautiful thing that happens when we, when we embrace the cross of Christ. And this is about cruciform living, following Jesus in the way of the cross. It wasn't just that Jesus hung on the cross and died for our sins, it's what he also invited us into. And that is dying to ourselves to receive the new life in him, but then living the way of the cross, cruciform living. We've taught about this before, that there is a way of living out the, the way of the cross. And it's about sacrificing for others. It's about putting the needs of others first. It's about showing people the extreme radicalness of a God-shaped kind of love. When we sing with the Beatles, all you need is love. It's so great. It's so true. And yet we have to capture what we mean by the idea of love. And if we just mean a kind of worldly love where we love the people who are like us and who will love us back, well, that's okay. But a cruciform style of love is to, is to go way beyond that, which is what we talked about in the last couple of weeks. A love that will take you even to loving your enemies. And these three themes show up again and again. So I wanted to take these three examples and actually show you in the book of Galatians, one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote. Halfway through, there's uh, six chapters in Galatians. And in chapter 3, I want to read these verses for you, beginning at verse 26. Paul's writing to Christians in Galatia, and by the way, they were struggling with what it meant to be part of this family of God. Could anybody be part of the family of God, or did you have to live by a certain set of standards in order to be allowed to be a Christian? And they were wrestling with this. And Paul wrote this in the middle of this letter to them. And remember, it was a letter to a whole bunch of Christians in Galatia. It wasn't just to a small group of people, one little church in a little building. It was Christians scattered in different cities throughout Galatia. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you pick up the theme of community there? Family, community, you are all children of God. And you have been united with Christ in baptism. Now you may not see this, but when you see language about baptism, that's including language of the cross. Because baptism is a symbol of, of us dying with Christ. As Christ was lowered down into the grave, we are lowered down into the water. And as we come up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Christ coming up out of the grave. So baptism is about cross language. So you've got community and cross. And we've put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's that new creation theme that's happening. And so already in like one or two sentences, you've got community, you've got cross, you've got creation. And then he says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of odd. I'll get to that in a moment. But a Gentile is somebody who wasn't Jewish. And it was just a way of identifying people who were non-Jews. Slave and free, um, again, go back 2,000 years to that style of slavery, male or female. 
Uh, let's go to the next slide here. You are one in Christ Jesus, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Abraham was, was considered the father of the nation of Israel. So here's how Paul's tying the story of the church back to the story of how God has been at work in history, particularly with Israel, for generations. And these themes of, of community and of cross and of new creation are coming up again and again and again in his letters. And I want to encourage you, if you begin reading through these letters, look for the themes of, of community, of cross, of new creation. And I want to give credit to a man named Richard Hayes who has developed some of this and uh, has really uh, impacted uh, how I have been able to read through and look at uh, these letters that we have, uh, but even the whole New Testament. And I wonder how much community and cross and new creation speak into our world today. Because this is about finding our voice today from the margins. And I appreciate the graphic that our, that our artists came up with of having the church at the edge of the city or the edge of town. And I think that in a sense, that's how people feel uh, in the church today. Maybe not everybody, but generally speaking, there's this sense of feeling like, like we're no longer in the center and, uh, and that the church is on the margins and people have less interest in what the church has to say about anything. And there are a lot of new Christians who are confused about what it means to follow Jesus. And there are a lot of older Christians who have been Christian for a long time who are struggling with and wrestling with what faith means for them today. And the letters of the New Testament, the letters of Paul, which we'll look at this week and next, are letters that can be a huge encouragement for us. But I want to make a few caveats. We are reading somebody else's mail. So when we read these letters, we can't read them as if they were written for us today. They weren't. God is using them today to help encourage us and to help us learn about Christ and to grow and to know what it means to follow him. But we have to first do the work of understanding what it meant for the original people who got it. We're reading someone else's mail. And one helpful way as you're reading through these letters is to understand this, that these letters can't mean what they never meant. Let me repeat that, that the letters we're reading here cannot mean what they never meant originally. And so when we read them today, if we're trying to impose something today that's not actually in that letter, uh, that's a dangerous way of reading them. And I'll give you some examples of how we've done this and, and how we have to just continue to work at um, not reading them this way. Uh, in the letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter, one of the earliest letters Paul wrote, Galatians and Thessalonians, I was kind of living in, in those two books this week, preparing for this. Paul writes about Jesus coming back and how Christians are going to go up and meet him in the sky. And there's been this whole theology of rapture being developed. 
that Christians are going to go up and other people who aren't Christians are going to be left behind and they're going to face the tribulation and the trumpet's going to sound and Christ will come and all hell's going to break loose and the Christians get to escape it all and we get to go off and live with Jesus forever in heaven away from this earth. It never meant that. And sometimes we have to do the work to understand that when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, that's not what he was saying. And so it cannot mean what it never meant. I'll give you another example, uh, the issue of women in church. Beth, thank you for singing for us. Thank you for praying. And anytime you want, you can come up here and you can preach. And she's shaking her head no. But for, for centuries, we have said, well, because Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and because Paul wrote to Timothy, and in those two letters, he said that women can't teach, therefore women can't teach in the church. And again, it's doing the work of understanding that these letters were written to a people 2,000 years ago in a specific situation. And doing the work of understanding that. And yet, even though some of these things don't apply um, universally across the board, there are some very particular, specific things here that they were dealing with. There's so much in here that can encourage us and help us. And, uh, and this is what I want to... Uh, to encourage us to do is to see these themes of being formed as a community, of learning what it means to live in the way of the cross, of being new creations. You just need to let this stuff sink in. You are not alone. You are and you can be part of a beautiful community that lives the way of the cross, that lives this new alternative style of living that actually can be can be a great example for the rest of the world to watch and to see. We can not only tell the gospel, we can be the gospel, the good news. And it comes out of this newness that Jesus does within you. And then when you get together with other people that are following Jesus, he recreates over and over and over again. And I think during this COVID area, many people in the church feel like they've been walloped. Now, to be honest, everybody's feeling like they've been walloped. Have you noticed the little things that would have happened before uh, wouldn't have really been a big deal, but now everything is exaggerated because of COVID? You know, so, so the other day uh, I, was, I was out running and, uh, and I, hurt, I hurt my leg at the end of my run. I didn't do anything different. It just started hurting and I, I strained the muscle a little bit. And it was just like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, this sucks. Normally, it would be like, yeah, I hurt my leg. I'll take a week off. No problem. But everything is exaggerated. You know, a family member has to go to the hospital for something. And normally, you wouldn't have felt too bad about it. But now, it's more, it's more panicky. Which is why I love the fact that Christopher just said, stop and breathe for a minute. think we're trying to figure out how does faith work today what does it mean to be the church and for some people there's this persecution complex that they've been taking on assuming that the world is out to get the church and Christians and using language like the government's trying to control the church from spreading and and doing what it's meant to do and and I, I just have to kind of disagree with that. We are all 
struggling to get through in this life. But now we're trying to figure out what does it mean to be the church? And some of the marginalization that we might feel has also been because we've said and done some really bad things over the last few hundred years. And society has woken up and begun moving forward and we've struggled with trying to figure out how to engage and to meet them where they're at. These letters can help us find our voice. See, I don't think the church was ever meant to be in the seat of power and to be the central focus of our culture. We're not trying to create a Christian state or government. We're trying to follow Jesus and be the people of God. The earliest Christians were never in a place of majority. They were never in a place of central influence. They were never in the place of power. And they were having people like Paul write to them to help them see how they could have a voice from the margins and shape and influence culture. And over a few hundred years, what you see is the steady growth of Christians learning what it meant and relearning what it meant to be the church. And the letters that were written were a huge help and comfort to them. Let me give you some examples of what the early church was asking. Here's what they were asking. Who are we now? See, the, the earliest church came out of Judaism. But they were branching away from Judaism and there was a riff happening. But they were also considered atheists by the Romans. Isn't that kind of funny? You see, this is how the culture has changed in 2,000 years. The earliest Christians by the, by the majority culture were considered to be atheists because they didn't believe in the gods that the Romans believed in. And now we've turned that completely around. But they were asking questions like, who are we now? What is our purpose? What is our relationship to the culture that we're in? Does that sound familiar? Churches can't meet anymore the way we used to. Like you're all spread out and you're all wearing masks and it just looks hilarious. And most of you are actually at home watching online. Who are we? How do we be the church? How do we do what God has called us to do in this day and age? When we think of the culture in which we live, what kind of a relationship are we going to have with the world out there? And for us, the world out there in Collingwood, in the Blue Mountains, in Clearview, in Wasega Beach, what is our relationship? These aren't, these aren't new questions. And the letters that we're reading through over the next four or five weeks help us answer these questions. The early church was dealing with challenges that we're still dealing with today. Even though some of their challenges were very specific, like eating meat sacrificed to idols. It's not really something that we have today. We still have idols today. They look different. They're not little figurines, but they might be your job or wealth or a person or whatever it, whatever it is. So some of them are very specific and particular to their time, but others are far more universal. Let's look at some of the challenges they were dealing with. We're tired. 
we're tired. Now, they had levels of tiredness that maybe we don't understand, but they're tired. We need encouragement. We need direction. We need each other. We need God. How many of those do you connect with individually? How many of these do we connect with as a family? We're tired. Are you tired? It's okay if you're not, and it's okay if you are. I have days where I don't want to get out of bed. I have days where I have to call a, a, a friend and, and just, they act like my, like my counselor. I, I, I can't schedule an appointment. I just need to talk to somebody. We're tired. And we're often frustrated and discouraged at what we can't do, at what we've lost. We're grieving still for what we want to have and, and we're not allowed to have it. We're trying to figure out which way to go. Some of you individually are trying to figure out you've lost your job and you're trying to figure out where do I go? What happens next? We have three families here at New Life right now that are looking for housing in this area and they can't find housing. They need direction. You know, we could take that more symbolically and metaphorically, but in their case, that is very specific. We need each other and yet we can't be together the same way. We need God. We've always needed God. We don't need him now more than we did then. We're just realizing how much we need him now, maybe more than we would have before. These are the things that they were dealing with. These are the things that we're dealing with. These are the things that the New Testament letters address for us. They help us find our voice in the world. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. <clears throat> start this week, start with this book of Galatians. The first letter that Paul, that we have that Paul wrote. Well, some argue Thessalonians is the first. If you want to just read both of them, you could probably read both of them in 20 minutes. Actually, there's two letters in Thessalonians. But read through them. If you're not sure um, where, where that is, if you've got a Bible, go to the table of contents. It'll give you the page number. If you don't have a Bible... If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, at the very back, there's a, there's a uh, what do you call that thing? A cupboard, um, a bookshelf. And um, there are Bibles there. And you just take a Bible, you help yourself. It's yours. It's our gift to you. Uh, if you're at home watching, no matter what part of the week it is, uh, you send us an email, uh, info at newlifecollingwood.com or go to our webpage, newlifecollingwood.com. And we'll provide you with a Bible. And uh, read Galatians. Read Thessalonians. Read them chronologically. The notes are on the website that lists them out chronologically. Many of you have read through these letters probably the way that they're put in your Bible. And I'm just encouraging you, try reading them chronologically and then match it up with the book of Acts. Next week when we come, we're going to look more specifically at some of what Paul wrote in these letters. But I wanted to give you this introduction to the series, this overview today and encourage you. Community, cross, new creation, these themes that come up again and again. The letters that we're reading were meant for other people. But God is still using them as he always intended to encourage us and guide us today because they are leading us to Jesus.
Let's pray. We pray with the church throughout the ages, recognizing that we are in a long story, Father. A long story of you and the cosmos, of you and creation, of you and humanity. And throughout the thousands of years, the, the unending years of, of your involvement with, with us, we recognize our place in this story. And we recognize that you have always been at the forefront of the story. And we're just in a time now when it's, when we're more in the front and center. But when we read these letters, they're a reminder to us that there's a rich history to our existence. May the letters of Paul or John or Peter Lead us to you, Jesus. You were there at creation. You were there with Israel. You were there uh, in person with the apostles, the disciples. And you've been with us through your Holy Spirit since you've gone back to be with the Father. And we just look to you today for the encouragement that we need, for the energy that we need, for the, for the answers to the questions of identity and of purpose. And we trust you. And we say thank you. And we want to symbolically hold our arms open as a posture of invitation to all those that we have the privilege of, of engaging with in our world and inviting them into the family introducing them, bringing them to you, Jesus, that they might see you and discover you. And as we do that, as we just try to be your people, would you continue to grow us and mature us to be more and more like you? And as we go through this week, we breathe in and we invite you into our life and we breathe out and we leave our cares and our worries with you and we keep our eyes on you and we look to the scriptures to bring us more and more in line with knowing who you are and who we are and what you have in store for us. Amen.